I am going to give Degenerate Brahmin's portfolio the rank of Shredder because he is the <laughs> villain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's where you should take this portfolio, print it out, put it in the Shredder, and throw it away. And welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Kareem Baruki, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael Lockie. Hello, hello. And Brent Philbin. What is going on, people of the Cryptoverse? That's right, Cryptoverse indeed. And thank you for joining us. This episode is coming out Friday, January 11th. I do have to do a shout out since we're doing an episode this day, obviously. This is... Bob's birthday, so happy birthday, baby. Oh, I would have had Zoro come on and sing and heard everybody's eardrums. Does she still run the Crypto Basic IG account? (laughs) All one post of it? Uh, Go show your love. (laughs) Michael, Michael, I believe there are two posts on that account, okay? So you're like 100% Boom. All right, but... (laughs) Uh, let's let's get this started if you haven't listened to our friday flagship this is where we cover current events crypto news stuff like that with our own twist and today we're going to get started with coinbase brent why don't you kick us off well i i would like to talk about some announcements first if that's okay with you i I mean yes sure i saw you skip that part but uh yeah we have some we like to talk, tell you about what's coming up, what's what's going on, what we're doing. We are recording our content creators panel next week. As we said before, we've got Joel Com from the Bad Crypto Podcast, Matthew Aaron from Crypto 101, and Crypto Candor from Crypto Candor coming on the show. And we are going to be talking about the. I mean, I could say Alex, but like the nobody knows nobody knows that's her name so um anyway we're doing the we're we're doing a content creator panel about the responsibilities and difficulties being content creator in a bear market and should be very interesting and fun i'm not sure when that's going to be released but we're going to record it soon are we going to add a fourth to that or do we want to put one of us up on there uh so i haven't gotten a, a high quality fourth yet I'm working on it. Uh, three is probably plenty. Three might be. I, this. I'm totally happy to run it with three. Someone and see what just happens. got slapped in the face because that would have been such an easy no. And Brent's like, ah, quite quality. Yeah, <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. You know, I I, I want to bring the best content Listen, to you. It takes a lot of artistic design to put a panel together. Okay, and we're gonna try it's our true. best. We are. It's true. Uh, we've also Mike just did a an interview with the founder of a, of Loki. Yep. Uh, Simon Harmon, one of the co-founders of Loki. That was a few hours ago. Look for that. Uh, this is going to be released on Friday. So probably early next week, right? I, yeah. I don't know what Loki is, but you know he he's one of my favorite characters in Avengers. So I'll definitely... It's Thor's brother. Yeah. Son of Kratos. I, I, one of the first questions was, uh, what was the influence of Loki? Or what does Loki mean to you? <laughs> so Yeah. Lo- Loki is the second best villain in all of the Marvel Universe. Uh, the little trailer there. The the best one is uh is Kingpin from Daredevil. Cute. Of course, best. Brett just uses <laughs> terms like just best so when it comes to opinions. Not, yeah, it, not, 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 it's clearly it's not the best. It's not an opinion. It's not an opinion. It's not Brent, close. Before we go on, what you told us what's coming up, but what about for those of us that don't know what's even happened? Yeah, well, we just we just released the cryptes. That took a little bit longer to edit than we would have liked originally, but we got some cool stuff done. There's like awards music, the Crypty Awards. I actually haven't listened to the final product yet, but both of your reactions to it and Jason's reaction to it, I'm excited. You know, obviously the listeners enjoyed it, so I'm looking forward to going back and digging in pretty soon. And we're thinking yeah. about heads up, uh, Brent's like uh, two thirds of a second out of sync. You can tell. <laughs> um, we're considering making some trophies for that via the engine network. One of the listeners brought this to our attention that we could make some non-fungible tokens on the engine network and kind of give out our actual cryptes. I think we're going to do that as long as, you know, it's not too prohibitive as far as like, you know, coding is concerned. It seems like it's pretty easy. So we will, we'll make those and uh, we will even forcibly transfer those to any known (laughs) Ethereum wallets. To people like Craig Wright for winning the biggest douche in the cryptoverse. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's, we're going to have trouble finding his Ethereum address. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, obviously, we wouldn't have we would have a hard time finding Satoshi's Ethereum address, but I'm pretty sure he's bragged about something, and we know it is. Most of these public figures have at least one Ethereum address that we know belongs to them, right? But we're already talking about Craig Wright. Why did you talk about Satoshi like it's someone else? Oh, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so can we now? People have been on the edge of their seats, Brent. Is it time to talk about Coinbase? It is time to talk about Coinbase. And you know what? This is a this is something that's very near and dear and close to my heart because I am also banned from Coinbase because of some terrible censorship that happened. You know, I, I, I I'm banned from Coinbase because I logged on in Cuba and their customer support is so terrible that they can't figure out that there's that I live in America. But the founder of Gab, which is a social media network that kind of promotes itself as a free speech bastion has been banned from Coinbase. Like his merchant account has been banned. They gave him all his money back and said, sorry, we don't want your business. Uh, If you're not familiar with Gab, it is kind of a shit show of, of alt, right? Like, you know, it's where like the Pittsburgh shooter was on there before he did that. A lot of like shitty Pockets of people are on Gab, even if I don't think it's a better platform than anything else out there, but it is a social media platform that specifically doesn't censor. So we've had a problem with a lot of people being censored from Patreon, from YouTube, from Twitter, from all these things because of their political beliefs, which, like we said when we were talking about Alex Jones, we really think that these people should not have that infringed on. They should have their platform, but they and you you can watch them be as stupid as you want. But it's not surprising that these companies are backing these uh, these options off. WikiLeaks was also backed off by Coinbase. They said, no, we don't want to deal with you either. And I thought this was an interesting thing to talk about. We, we even went over this a little bit on Tuesday and uh, our cryptocurrency thing. But the idea that these free speech bastions keep getting banned or these free speech people keep getting banned from these uh, areas isn't going to go away because... The people who are getting banned from the normal platforms who are going to go seek out something that doesn't ban people for saying shitty things are going to all gravitate towards the same kind of platform. So, yes, Gab isn't inherently bad in any way, and the people who run Gab are probably good people, but bad people will go on there because they've been censored and banned from other situations. So, I made this analogy, and I want to make it for the listeners here again. If you had a movie theater where they were kicking people out for making jokes and comments in the middle of the movie, those people would probably feel like they were being slighted and their rights were being infringed on. They can talk if they want to. It's a free country, blah, 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 right? So let's say the movie theater down the street says, look, we're not going to throw anybody out for any reason. You can come in here and you can talk if you want, and it's fine. Like We think it contributes to the overall society if everybody is allowed to do whatever they want. If the people in the theater don't like what you're doing, they can just like yell at you and tell you to stop. Well, that theater is going to suck and nobody's going to go to it, even if it's a better theater in every single way. Like if the seats are better, the screen is better, the food is better. People aren't going to go where it's okay to yell at the screen because nobody wants that experience. So that's what's happening here. And it's not surprising that Coinbase said, get out of here. It's going to keep happening. What we need is a platform that doesn't. It, it doesn't specifically say we are a free speech place. We are not going to censor you. It just needs to be a better platform that also happens to not do that. And then we may get a spot where we have some interesting things develop. Hmm. I mean, I'm definitely not ruling out that something like that could come about and it would be great. But I will say that as you were laying out that analogy or explaining the situation, it strikes me that. This is a repeated pattern where like, I think that there's always been, uh, even though the, the forms of control have changed, there's always been like a mainstream where th- certain thoughts and ideas weren't really allowed. And then those extremes are always going to push, be pushed to margins where they're going to operate. And, and I think that whether it's digital or real or radio or whatever, right, um, there's Wherever the middle is, there's always going to be extremes that are going to make everybody else feel uncomfortable. And there are going to be a significant amount of people that want to operate in a space where they just feel comfortable and safe. And I don't know if any platform can change that. Well, think about Reddit was originally that kind of a space, right? They were 
built to be a free speech area where if you didn't like, say, one of the like fat people hate, for instance, you just didn't subscribe to them and you didn't have to see it. But then once they got investors and things, they actually had to go about banning a lot of these communities because of they were doxing people or doing stuff like that. So the pendulum swings and I think it continues to swing. Reddit was just a better way of doing the news than actually I think dig was the main alternative at the time. So Reddit was just a better way of doing it than that. And it gained users because of it being a better way, not because they weren't going to ban anybody, but then they started banning people. So vote started to get users because they were getting banned, but not because it was a better platform. So vote is like an awful thing to go on and try and read things on. I feel like um, amongst the three of us, we have a lot of other similar examples that we could come across. I feel like, you know, if you go back to our like online poker days, like there are plenty of people that either got banned from stars or full tilt and end up playing primarily on the other one or on smaller sites where they would try to do, you know, some of the more fringe activities or some of the grayer areas like multi accounting and things at the time that weren't as explicitly, you know, explained in the terms of service. Um, you know, something else that came to mind also in poker is kind of like, how many times uh, have you guys thought of like one of the rooms in your – one of the poker rooms in your area being kind of like the room that all the f- other dealers get fired from and end up at? And it's there's always a room that kind of has that reputation because that's just kind of the evolution of all businesses, all business I feel like. So <clears> – Everybody wants to kill Coinbase for this. This is perfectly natural. Centralized companies will do this. Build a better decentralized option if you don't want this to happen or stick with peer-to-peer. So, yes, the Bitcoin was created for the antithesis of this. But private companies will always be banning people that they think are toxic. And what they think yeah. are toxic is going to be up to them and their shareholders. And one more thing, just to like add another possible layer, and this is pure speculation but I'm just saying this is a possibility, specifically because we are talking about WikiLeaks. There's a hundred, like there's, it's totally non-zero that Coinbase was put under tremendous pressure by U.S. government authorities to make this move. You know what I'm saying? And if you are a business in the United States, the federal government is a really bad enemy to have, and it can be an incredibly difficult situation. Um, so now at the end of the day, it still comes down to centralized story, the underlying point, everything we discussed, I'm just saying here specifically talking about WikiLeaks, it would be interesting if, because, you know, we've seen that with things like Apple and stuff like Apple or Google or different, different companies at different points have come under pressure from different governments, organizations with different agendas. All right. Well, enough of the political talk. I think that was, that was fun. <laughs> Agreed. That was interesting. Yeah, fuck right. you, we have more coming. And don't fuck you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> there is. This episode is going to be interesting, I think. All right. So let's go from something that's kind of very serious there to the most popular game on the planet, Fortnite. Mike, you're going to play for, for Fortnite professionally. Mike, give us your best no. floss for the people who may see this on video. Um, I actually don't know the dances yet, but I certainly plan on knowing the dances at some point. Uh. My man. All right. So, so talk to us. Uh, I thought this story was rather humorous because uh, we actually covered this in RCC and I feel like, Brent, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the original story that I read um, didn't necessarily list this as accidental, uh, just kind of listed as something they were thinking about or they didn't intend to uh, release it already. But in either case, uh, for a brief moment, you had the ability to send Monero to an address in exchange for for official uh, merchandise from the Fortnite store. The screenshot came from a merch.fortnite.com website and it was a screenshot of somebody using um, on the main purchase screen, there was the the credit or, or debit area, there was the PayPal area, and then there was something else called Globe, G-L-O-B-E-E, and then the option next to Globe was the Monero logo. And uh, I did a little digging on this. Apparently, Globe actually offers many different cryptos as a payment processor, but this is where the story starts getting a little fuzzy. So... They, they say that this was completely accidental. 
um, and that they are big fans of the technology behind crypto, but a lot more work is needed on volatility and fraud proofing before it, bringing it to such a broad audience that includes younger gamers. So I think that this was accidental, much like a, a, uh, many people have accidentally released sex tapes over the years, uh, just for <laughs> popularity, notoriety, and attention. I'm not buying. Mike I'm just not buying this as the accidental game that 12 year olds played as sex tapes. I, I, I like the comparison. I, I understood what he was going was, at that point. Yeah. It, it was only available for a few hours. Oopsie. We believe in the technology big time, but it's irresponsible to put it in front of young Listen. gamers, guys. Mike, so my you first can't reaction, have it. Listen, my first reaction, and there's a good chance that I'm we're gonna I'm gonna get creamed by this. Maybe somebody in our audience that actually knows what they're talking about is gonna be like, "Oh, you're <laughs> tur- way off." But the first thing is, it's like there's no way that you get to that point accidentally. Absolutely there's no, no way. way. There's so many steps, so many people that have to be involved from payment processing this to like company made whatever like billion the design. Well, okay, no, I, I'm no, gonna bro. I'm gonna step up in defense here a little bit. What they said was they were using that payment processor in te- processor intentionally. They did not know that they had enabled the Monero option, so they pulled it down as soon as somebody brought it to their attention. I think okay, this now, see, might that be makes it much more value. plausible. The payment processor is a third party that has a Monero option. It's the same payment processor for Monero and dollars. So they they had the same payment processor. That okay, payment processor just works with Monero, but. I'm pretty sure the Globy does more than just Monero, though. And I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah, Monero yeah. was the only one that was an option here. Yeah, I think that they just accidentally checked the box. and and Or or they're Monero holders, and they were like, hey, hey, hey. I, I, I'm certainly not accusing them of a pump and dump. But yeah, I think it's more I likely the real it's, it's it's a definitely a good dump. business idea to be like, oh, oh, hey, this thing might be coming. Oh, oh you're not ready for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We just opened this theme park, but you can't come. All right. So since we are talking about Monero, though, I think this is a good time to segue to all of us (laughs) who independently did this story and didn't communicate properly with each other and all showed up to the flagship ready to talk about this. And uh, let's go. Let's go from least handsome. Uh, Brent, let's start with you. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. We definitely agreed that you were going to cover this story, which is why I agree on the least handsome scenario. So uh, why don't you? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, sure. I'll I'll fire this out. Let, let, let me go to. All right. So the story is about the wife of a Norwegian tycoon. The guy is a billionaire eh. in Krona. Yeah. In Krona, you shut your I, face, Brent. Am I covering this also, story? I had it written out as billionaire, and then I. Oh man! <laughs> uh, come on now, guys. Don't don't, don't underestimate it. Uh, okay. So the guy was a billionaire in Chrono, which his net worth in U.S. is about two hundred million or something like that. But actually, this is kind of a really sad and scary story. His wife was kidnapped in Norway, by the way. I mean, I know this is—I don't know if this exposes a bias, but the first thing I thought of when I saw this headline was that they must have been traveling. But this was in Norway, yep. in their home, right? I believe. Uh, this in her home. That's right. And she was, she's been kidnapped since October 31st, guys. The story was, you know, there was an investigation. There was negotiations. The main story here, of course, is that the kidnappers are asking for the ransom in Monero. And they're asking for a ton of money. I think it was 9 million euros in Monero. Well, um, let me stop you. When exactly yeah, did they please. ask for the, for the Monero? Because if it was the same day that the Fortnite skins went live... I think we have a correlation. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Anyway, so the problem right now is that they don't have proof of life. She's been missing since the 31st. And, uh, you know, part of the thing that's holding the payment is that they don't know whether or not she's alive. This is obviously a very difficult situation. And it does create a new unique problem, doesn't it? Like, you know, like if they get Monero, like (laughs) it's gone, bro. Go ahead, Mike. What were we going to say? So this was a troubling story when I read it, obviously, for the reasons that, you know, it, it, it seems like it could happen to anybody that's, you know, could have the money to pay for something like this. The first thing that really came to my mind is this is a, a war scenario that you have to be game theory optimal for. Like, this is the most extreme. You have, 
you have a game that is the rules are very strict and confined. There's there's a captor, there's a hostage, uh, there's a negotiation, and there's like I, I don't know. I don't know what the right decisions are here. I mean, like I, it goes in to say that you know the police ask the family not to pay, and and I understand that that's smart. But where do you draw those lines? Those are such difficult conversations to have, and I just I just don't even know where I would begin with something like this. So think about something like this. So in a normal hostage, I mean, normal is kind of a dumb way to say that, but a normal hostage situation, you have bag of money and hostage people and you try to do a swap, right? This is not that like you. There is no bag of money swap. They're literally like, send us it, that fucking Monero. And when you do, it's you have no like leaving a brief case in the woods that anybody will be delivered. Right? Like, it, yeah. Yeah, which would make it completely and utterly untraceable. I, I'm you know, you this know what, though, this guys? isn't the last time we're going to hear worth, this. Like, the, the way drug, like cartels and stuff like that handle kidnappings, it, it's not like in the move. Like, they have all the leverage and they know it. You know, oftentimes it might be a bag of cash, but it's not like you get the cat, you give the cash and they give you the person at the same time. A lot of times is you leave this money here and we'll let you know when. And a lot of times you might not get that person. That's why, you know, kidnapping is so brutal. Right. Yeah. They kidnap and they're like, we need 10 million in, in Monero. Send it to this address. Okay. You sent that. But we actually need another 10 million. Right. Like that, there's nothing right. to stop them from doing that. So, and if we're talking game theory optimal, which is, it's really shitty to break down this situation we're thinking about game theory they have not given any proof of life which is a really poor decision on their part if she's alive but more likely means that she which probably is isn't yeah and and basically yeah. that's yeah. probably a good reason for them to keep advocating to you know keep a defensive position here and yeah they're they're either really bad at this and they're not doing what they need to do to get paid or the more likely scenario being that something bad did happen here. Cause I mean, this is a long period of time. They sent undercover officers in to try and co- figure this stuff out. They didn't tell the public. That's the crazy thing. They waited to tell the public until now. This was in October 31st. It's not like we're just finding out about it ourselves because we're not in Norway and the story didn't reach us until now. No, no, no. They <laughs> didn't tell anybody until like yeah. three days ago. So it's a that, long time that's to a, keep it quiet. That's the, yeah, the police are playing the wrong there too. Of their house. It, it, like the article that I saw just showed a photo of their home. It was so like just so average looking. It was at oh, the end of a cul-de-sac. It's it was Norway just though. like they they live a secluded lifestyle. He's very shy and like all these things added up that I'm just like, yeah, God, well, it, it makes it so much. Br- they a took very her in the bathroom. The thing about Norwegians that um, I learned, like by speaking with them, is that they're actually kind of ashamed to show their wealth. It's very looked down upon. So, like, they might not mm-hmm. even sometimes wait on upgrading their car because they don't want to make it seem like they're flashing their wealth. Wow. It's a totally different society. Um, <laughs> it's whatever the opposite of, ah, oh, look at me, I'm a baller, <laughs> give well, me a Lambo. So, uh, some things I wanted to add here from the story, Mike, and like you said, this guy was actually kind of shy. Uh, there are some investigators that don't know if, like you said, Brent, are these guys bad or are they unrealistic? Because they're asking for a total of 1% of the Monero in circulation. So, you know, now they might plan on holding that for a long time, but that, that's going to be pretty tough to liquidate. Um, and, right. Maybe they factored that yeah, into their maybe, price ask. Maybe they're that smart. <laughs> and they're like, we, we think they're dumb. And they're like, no, you don't understand our level, buddy. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, last thing is um, the the guy had just been featured in a bunch of news stories that summer that were highlighting his net worth, which is kind uh. of an unfortunate link. And uh, this is another high profile uh, kidnapping where they're asking for crypto. And our first one happened in 2015 where a Canadian, his name was Ryan Percy, was also kidnapped um, in Costa Rica and the... They asked for a half a million dollars in Bitcoin, and he was released. Uh, he was in captivity for like a month. He did pay a ransom, but he, he never said how or how much or what. Huh. Well, also, there was the pastor that kidnapped oh, yeah. himself. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> that guy was great. Um, anyway, before I move us on, guys, anything you want to add about this story? I mean, I know we all covered it from different angles. No, I mean, I think I think we all 
No, it's a sad story. It's an unfortunate reality. It kind of reminded me of the time um, also when the the heisters stole like two million dollars worth of like computer equipment right like this is creating a whole new like types of crimes that were not necessarily as big as before because the stakes are just so much higher than they used to be or the same types of crimes mm-hmm. with different asset classes yeah. so this might just be an asset class playing by the same games you know and it facilitates certain things in some cases, making it easier to trace, and in some t- uh, or harder to trace. I mean, we'll we'll see. It's just a very unique world that we're experiencing. Yeah, and it's just getting started. <laughs> um, all right, with that, we're gonna move it to Ethereum Classic, getting hit with a fifty-one percent attack. Brent, you're our reporter on the field. Well, we go to the field to Brent, who's not on the field; he's on a couch. And what? Actually, yes, this is bad. Ethereum Classic got hit with a 51% attack. This is bad for a couple of reasons. The main reason being it just really shows how vulnerable some of these smaller proof-of-work chains are and really highlights the network effect that Bitcoin has because Ethereum Classic is a project that we think is actually run very well. They have have good teams behind them and it's, you know, they're this isn't Verge. This is like a legitimate coin and they were hit with this 51% double spend attack. Um, originally it came out that Coinbase lost $500,000 on the attack, but now that's up to a million dollars. So the way a double spend attack works is somebody gets 51% of the hash power on the network so that they can rewrite the history basically and make it look like a transaction never happened when it did. So they can deposit onto an exchange, start selling those funds and get other funds. And then oh, all of a sudden that transaction has gone. So the, that's what was happening. It appears the attacker has stopped at this point. Coinbase wasn't the only one hit. Gate.io got hit for a 40,000 Ethereum Classic loss. They came out and said that they will cover that. Uh, BitTrue got hit, but they caught it because the Ethereum Classic community got out there like real fast. And they're like, guys, we're getting hit. Like They didn't try to hide it. They're like, nope, we are, there are reorgs happening on our chain. You need to up the number of confirmations that you're accepting before going through. Like they're they're asking basically for a full day before any of these exchanges take a take a transaction as genuine. Um, so BitTrue did it. They were able to save their attacks. Um, they the suggestion to wait for a lot longer is only just temporary until they figure out what to do. They've They've considered either changing to the Keck Act 256 or the uh, ProgPow algorithms. Interestingly enough, I'm in the Ethereum Classic Discord. They had a conference call with uh, somebody from the, the ProgPow team. They weren't really there in an official capacity. They literally just came on and started chatting. They were they were very candid with everybody, and they were saying, look, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of research trying to figure out who was doing this attack. We think that you could use our algorithm and become like the primary coin that's using our algorithm, and that would be really beneficial to you. But obviously, if you don't use our algorithm, great. We're trying to just help as much as possible. Um, they, Ethereum Classic released this plan on to the community. Uh, they they want to create uh, an alert system so that attacks could be even faster than what they got to them. They also want to do uh, keep the recommendation up of 400 to 4,000 transaction confirmations. Uh, they're imp- studying the possibility of implementing deep reorg protection. Um, they're also using another improvement protocol to set a limit on the maximum size of the DAG. They will... Uh, that apparently I guess they have a a DAG in their chain in some way. Um, They're not going to do anything to change the way the chain works with any haste. They are absolutely not going to go back and rewrite history and, and refund these because that's not what Ethereum classic stands for. I'm making that one up. I didn't read it, but I (laughs) don't think that they would do that. That sounds pretty easy Um, to say though. Yeah. They're, um, they're thinking to change their algorithm to be a new proof of work, proof of work, which is the prog power, the Kekag. And uh, they, oh, number, oh, actually, yeah, number 10, we will not reorg the chain or revert the offense on chain under any circumstance. So they very specifically stuck to their guns. That's what Ethereum Classic is all about. Immutability. That makes it a weird, if somebody's like, able to attack it. a weird target on its back, too, right? Like, yeah. Well, here's what actually put the targets on, the target on its back. It was really easy to rent the hash power to attack the, this network because they're using the same algorithm as Ethereum. So 
anybody who was selling their hash power, they could just point it here and do the attack. I wonder if it might be the douchebags that took over their um, their GitHub a couple Seems weeks unlikely. ago when we covered that. I, I don't know. Like Maybe they got a real big axe to grind and they got a lot of money. Who knows? But for, for right now, exchange exchanges have probably halted most Ethereum Classic uh, deposits and withdrawals. They're going to put something into place. They may even have something into place by the time this comes out. Just another kind of example of how one of these coins that is developed, you know, by a decent development team handles a 51% attack and versus somebody like Verge who's like, oh, it's no big deal at all. Like, it's fine. I already fixed it. Oh, you copy and pasted some code that accidentally hard forked your entire chain. Good job, buddy. Specifically, Um, you know, without getting too fanboyish, I think it underscores because Ethereum Classic is a quality project. And even though that this is a, an acceptable, manageable, maybe expected response, uh, you see how prepared Zencash was with what happened. I mean, mm. it's it's kind of amazing. They tripwired it. They were instantaneous. They um, And they lost less. I mean, it was. I just looked it up. It was 500K at the time, but this was in June. This is already over a million and this is a little while later. My guess is that it's a lot more crypto now. I don't know how relevant that is based on how the transactions are done. But anyway, not really stomping on ETC here as much as saying, um, you know, maybe we're underestimating how unique that Zencash preparation was just because we're kind of, uh, we know them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not a surprise to these smaller chains that they're right. vulnerable. I, I don't th- I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. It's just a matter of people actually executing the attack and going through with it. So that's what we're seeing happening. Um, I, I was surprised at the community sentiment of Ethereum Classic, especially because we have a reasonably positive view of them overall. The posts that talked about the 51% attack, everybody's like, yeah, this shitcoin needs to die already. Oh, my God. Very, very strangely, the community really does not like Ethereum Classic, and there hasn't ever been like red flags or anything for for them to not like it. Which they just community? don't like that it's similar to Ethereum. The Reddit community, the Reddit community, not ours. Reddit community, excuse me. Our our community no, is Brent, significantly more reasonable. Thing too, you can't just think of them as this community and that community because you're also talking about We're the ETC community. The community. At the at the end of the roughest market that most of them have ever experienced, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Reddit's not the real world, right? When when you have like ten losing sessions yeah. in a row, you don't want to talk about how great a poker player you whoa, are. Whoa, whoa! Now you're getting personal, Mike. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I can speak from a lot of experience. There. I guess seat six didn't stack up. A lot huh? of experience there. Oh my goodness! All right, guys, we're gonna move it on, and this time. We're going to talk about all these issues surrounding the DX exchange. Mike. Oh, this is new. I don't know anything about this. I feel like we mentioned this recently, and that's kind of why I grabbed this. I don't know if we mentioned this. uh, It couldn't have been RCC because we haven't done that in a while. This must have been on a flagship. So if you guys guys are a little familiar with this, let me know. If not, this will be new. I don't think we've ever talked about this. uh, There is an exchange launching um, in London, I believe. That the entire purpose of this was to own stocks from traditional stock markets and back them with crypto tokens and then be able to trade those tokens in a market. And the idea is they were going to use stocks from the NASDAQ, stocks from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, and the Tokyo Stock Exchange. And then tokenize... So nothing big. Nothing big. Right, right, just, right. Just, just Tokyo no NASDAQ. No big deal. Just a whole bunch of Apple shares and Tesla <laughs> and and all the other ones that I don't even know about. I'm sure China's got some massive companies that are you know doing some really cool things. But the idea is all of them are going to be on this one exchange. And, you know, in a way, that's a great idea. But the more that the the real people, it's also not that? unique. It happens already. That here, so first red flag I'm seeing before any of the rest of you say the rest of this. This is already a thing. Like you can already do this. They already have tracker stocks for other. Yeah, stock but this markets. is supposed to include cryptocurrencies, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but how is crypto changing anything? Like, they're still requiring that there's a share held, right? Listen, I don't know. I I don't exactly know how this is changing things, but it's gotten a lot of hype recently. And after all the hype, now there's a lot of red flags. And and that's kind of what this is highlighting. So, um, 
the one big thing that like came to mind from the article that I read is that this exchange doesn't have the broker license to trade securities in the US or the derivatives. So that so what I'm understanding is that sure you could get a share of whatever but like they're not going to pay you the the derivatives or the what the what do they call the stock fee or the money dividends that's yeah dividend they're probably yeah, just not going to pay those because they don't have to and people may not even know that they're supposed to get them so there's just like all kinds of little corners that this is expected to be cutting that they haven't really addressed yet um, also, it very specifically says that residents of the U.S., South China, or South Korea, and China are all banned from the service. Um, so this is an ICO, Mike. Um, I it was privately no, funded. I think I'm pretty sure. Open. I they are, they did raise money. I'm pretty sure, but I don't think it was in an ICO. I think it was just like a public. It's just a private sale company. Um, some of the other red flags that came up is apparently they've actually been involved in some other shady exchanges in the past. The same company with this license um, is also – let me see here. They were formerly Spot Option, which was a controversial binary options exchange in Israel that was shut down by the FBI. Um, the CEO was arrested in 2017. So there's like – oh. Was that one of those payment processors, Kareem? For the for like the uh, poker shit? Which one? Remember we talked about like those people that used to be payment processors for poker, but now they're moving on to other stuff. Oh, wait, you're talking about the story, that story that was like in India or something. Yeah, I, I thought they might have been in Israel. Israel. In Israel. Yeah, you're right, you're right. They were doing yeah. this sounds I wonder like if it's the, the same, same thing because Yeah, yeah. They you're they right. I kinda I, I went down oh, a side article that was trying to get into a little I had never heard of binary options trading or why it was a scam and why it's a huge deal in Israel. But apparently like it's a massive thing that really is like pretty scammy and you know, they shouldn't be legally getting away with it. This sounds very similar. So apparently this company is yeah, I think used that, to yeah, be right, one of those and and now they're just rebranding and trying something new. Wow. But I don't know the poker connection. Okay, well yeah, that's a pretty big yeah, fucking I would red call flag. That a red flag. That's more like game over, break it up. We got him. It's like at the end of the show in Scooby Doo when they take off the mask. It's the same guys from the <laughs> other scam. That's not a red flag. It's over. Scooby Doo Doo. <laughs> oh. oh man crazy stuff okay so scammers be scamming guys as i always tell you you know what i'm saying indeed, scammers indeed. be scamming and speaking of scammers <laughs> the the name the name justin comes to the tongue when we're scamming and this time i want to focus on the sun so brent take this one son <laughs> Wow. Wow. What a transition. <laughs> what a beautiful transition. We'll make that a cryptease. Transition of the do year any better right than there. That. Oh, I, the year's just getting started, Mike. Relax. That's how good it was. <laughs> Justin's son is running another ICO, boys. Another ICO. <laughs> Buckle up. How much money did he raise the last time around? I don't remember, but he raised a fucking lot of money. I don't know why he... What so he, he raised a bunch of money, and then he's like, "Who cares?" I don't, oh I don't know. He raised a bunch of money. He raised a shitload of money, and then he bought BitTorrent. And now, because he bought BitTorrent, he's out of money. So he needs to run a BitTorrent ICO on top of Tron. So they're they're running. And what's funny is this thing, this ICO actually makes a ton of sense. And I'm gonna make fun of it because of he could just build this without needing to run an ICO, but he's going to run an ICO because that's what decentralized people do. And Listen, I, to be fair. If I had done a thing where I made like $200 million and now a year and a half later, you're like, hey, you want to do that thing again? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm that, not going to be like, no, that was terrible. Are Let's the incentives just that poorly aligned? Like, I don't understand. Come on, bro. Like, he's one of the five, ten people in the world that raised the most money on an ICO. Of course, he's going to try to freaking do it again when he doesn't have a real project. Yeah, Continue. yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no incentive to actually finish a project. That's why we say – that's why we see – um. Uh, what's this fuck with EOS and Steam it? Dan Larimer. Dan Larimer is just going from project to project because there's not really a lot of incentive to finish it and stick with it. So 
This is at least on the Tron network, so he's building this BitTorrent token, the BTT, and it's basically going to, like, I don't know if you've ever used torrents, but the way they work is you download a file from a bunch of different people at the same time, and then it the torrent, like, compiles it on your computer, and then you start seeding it so other people can download it from you. But there's no incentive for you to seed it, so... uh Full disclosure, when I do torrents, if I do torrents, I download what I need and I shut down the network and I'm not involved anymore at all. I don't feel any moral obligation to like let people download what I downloaded, even though I'm fully aware that that's what I'm doing to them. I just don't want it taking up computing resources on my computer and I don't want it doing stuff. So what they're going to do is build this BTT token into the uTorrent client so that if you want, you can opt in for rewards for uh, seeding files. So you can get BTT as a reward for seeding files. That's kind of what they're trying to go for. Actually, it makes a little bit of sense. They're solving a problem. It makes um, a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I really wanted to like... participation. Yeah. I really wanted to shit all over this, but uh, it, it makes sense. So uh, other than the fact that he could have just done this with Tron tokens or whatever, like he's creating like a new token for no reason, at least if these hold, hold any value greater than zero they will in some fashion incentivize the network in some way. And and I'm only scratching the surface, maybe there's some fees involved and like I don't I don't really know, but apparently they were supposed to be completely optional and backwards compatible with the uTorrent Classic client and will be on all the other clients like as it goes with development and stuff like that. So, you know what? Screw you Justin for running another ICO, but again, maybe this guy can make some things happen that aren't that actually help and are nice. We'll see. This is one of the things we discussed as a best case scenario. Maybe he lucked into so much money that he might just make something work. Like I'm, I would much prefer that. Like as much as we've shit on projects by Dan Larimer or Justin Sun or some of the other folks that we're not a big fan of, All I the other would much, I would much rather they come up with a good product and, you know, do whatever. I, I would rather not report on more scams and more, you know, misappropriations of money, more misuses of funds. You know, I hope this works. So when I, w- when I was looking for stories for this week, I was kind of skipping over some of the scams, man. Like there's so many that are being outed because of this bear market that, that they're just, it's going to be, it's not even going to be interesting news anymore, which kind of sucks. And it's kind of good at the same time. This market is really going to, weed out a lot of these real shitty projects you know there was a bunch there was a bunch of stupid shit with substratum they they it turns out they like had over a million dollars missing in their ico funds like that they didn't account for and also at the same time justin spent four hundred thousand dollars on a house like the same week or something so the you know but no reason to even report that anymore because it's like even though i just kind of did it wasn't intentional old news but hopefully some of these projects get their shit together and get us some usable things. Let's not forget something real quick, Cream. I just want to mention, like, this is the reason we started this show, though. Like, this, we knew there was a lot more to this space than we knew in last January. And we're like, you know what? Let's get together and let's put our heads together and sort through all the info. And that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. And the last thing I, like, I want to say about this ICO, ultimately, my instincts with Justin Sun are that... Once you scan X amount and you've shown a certain, basically, when people show you who they are, who they are believe them. And until he mm-hmm. drastically shows us otherwise, I'm going to assume he's scamming. That's my bias. Right. However, this is a good idea. Uh, I actually do think that increasing participation in something like the torrent is genius, and it, there's going to be network effect, and it's better for everybody. Uh, like Brent said, it makes sense. It's the it's a tragedy of the commons because it makes sense to be selfish, but the whole network is going to benefit from more people participating. But the devil's in the details. Just because this is a good idea doesn't mean they're going to be able to execute properly. You're going to have to create the proper incentives. You're going to make sure that the system isn't being just completely gamed with somebody like uploading files that they're downloading in a different computer. How is you going to account for all kinds? Like, it's just not, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a, a good it's concept. Not case, right? Yeah, like, like, it's a good concept. Now pull it off. You know, I'm going <laughs> like, to give one luck. little extra piece of kind of validation to this it's being run through the binance launchpad so it is in pseudo partnership with binance like it's uh so you know i i got a lot of love for cz at binance so you know it's 
Ah, let's admit. The only man, thing th- I'll say about Binance, though, is that in the back of their mind, one of the numbers that matters the most is trade volume. Yes. So Justin Sun is walking around with a huge extra card in his pocket. So the fact that he's able to get big partnerships, you know, unless he's getting big partnerships with people who are focused on quality. And as much as I love CC, I don't think that he's shown us that him more than other people, Binance more than other companies are really focused on quality and merit and thoroughness. No, they're like, you know, okay for an exchange. They're not like, you know, it's Justin Sun. It's Tron. They can get a partnership. <laughs> uh, so... D- just for some proof we have said we said some good things about that we will sometimes check our biases at the door all right so i think it's time for crypto around the world <laughs> probably should have mentioned uh <laughs> the Norwegian scam in crypto around the world, but hey, we um, oh, yeah. as if only somebody would... already had it in that section oh, as the first God, person the that wrote it in the entire outline. Hmm. Well, listen, as huh. the third but person, Brent didn't have the time to scroll down to the bottom of the outline to see what stories were on there. That's okay. Uh, well, Ooh. yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of, no, I no didn't delete it. I didn't Is that delete an it. apology? Is that an apology? I didn't hear an apology, Mike. I. Man, I wish whoever had put it in the uh, Crypto Around the World section would have left theirs on the outline. Mm. But enough petty squabbles between us. <laughs> Let's focus on the stories, people. And this time, we're moving all the way around the world back to America to Jordan Peterson. Mike. No, he's it's Canadian. Oh, oh right. is he Canadian? So Jordan no, Peterson is a clinical psychologist in Canada, Canada and professor of psychology at the University of oh. Toronto. Uh, all right, wait, 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 Mike. Before you go, we have to have all, we have to have Kareem do an apology at the beginning of the episode to the entire Canadian nah, community. For thinking that Jordan Peterson is like a Canadian is American. Come on, bro. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would not appreciate being. Bro, that's oh, like you're somebody, basically Americans. Uh, yeah, that's like somebody going up to me. He's like, "Hey, Kareem, are you Venezuelan?" <gasps> oh, how dare! you venezuela no colombia <laughs> have you ever mixed like, a cuban and a puerto rican that's not fun yeah. well that's a different story yeah. Mike. how dare you how dare you <laughs> anywho so this is kind of a polarizing figure that i've kind of watched some interviews over the last year or so and actually somebody that i've become a pretty big fan of i was introduced to jordan peterson through the joe rogan podcast which i've mentioned on here a few times um he needs really spoken out against censorship in a lot of ways and and i kind of view him as the voice against political correctness um which a lot of people you know that's a very triggering topic for a lot of people and and i think that you know his very strong christian view is something that it turns a lot of people off that are listening to him but in a way it's like i kind of end up respecting it because he tends to take a strong christian view uh, at least publicly without shoving it down your face. Um, he, he has very strong views on masculinity, taking responsibility for yourself, um, being a better man, you know, just things that are just like very, very normal, you Mike, know, I have a question. Go for it. Do you, do you think that his views on masculinity are matched by his views on like women's rights and things like that? Do you think that they're defined matched? What do you mean? Like the fact that men are supposed to be a certain way, does that also mean that like women are supposed to be a certain way or that they're supposed to be a certain place? Here's here's what I, here's, here's the niche that I've found for him that I actually tend to resonate with and and learn. I've learned a lot from is that like, we've kind of forgotten, you know, why being a man can be important and like what the, the masculinity of a hierarchy can provide. And, and truthfully, like, I don't think it's about like, oh, you're a woman, you should do this. You're a man, you should do this. It's more just about like, hey, if your life isn't the way you want it, then ask yourself why and be honest with yourself and take responsibility for your shit. And like, I'll be honest, he was a huge impact on the changes I've made in my life in the past couple of years. I mean, his voice is very similar to many that were kind of in the same listening category for me. But like, if you want to you know focus on certain parts of his argument yeah like you, we can get sidetracked all day right, but right. but the, you know i just i just genuinely feel like every time i load him up on youtube it's just like oh 
um, really tough spot he gets put in where like somebody just like tries to thrash him and disrespect him. And then he just like handles it really well, like an adult completely tears apart their argument and actually like wins a debate, you know, and, and those things, they just keep overarching like happening. So this is a guy that I happen to be a big, big fan of. Um, so why are we talking about him? I guess we'll get on topic here. Um, he has been very against Patreon. Um, he was a very large Patreon, uh, receiver and, um, has since, d- uh, cut himself off from the platform as well as some other big names because of some censorship that's going on in some ways that he's not a fan of that. The next part of this evolution, though, was YouTube, and he's had some strong issues with YouTube. As we know, we've discussed, they're a centralized company with a huge agenda. They have a lot of advertising dollars at stake. Like, they're going to make decisions that are going to be selfish. You know, we talked about it with CryptoCandor as well. Well, his daughter, I believe, is an adult. I'm assuming he's in his 50s, I'm guessing. But she had a YouTube channel um, where she ended up getting banned for a three-month period of time for... And I didn't watch the video, so I'm not going to get into too d- deep of a detail here. But apparently this video was mostly just a question and answer and a very innocent video. And this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for him. So Jordan Peterson has a very large following, pulled down his entire YouTube library and uploaded it to a decentralized crypto option, bit.tube, and basically was like pretty open about it on Twitter. I decided to go check the site out, and I don't know if this is a combination. I mentioned this to Brent on Tuesday. I'm not sure if this is a combination of it knowing my preferences in people or if his dominance over the platform is growing this quickly. But when I loaded that that uh, front web page originally, he had seven of the 21 videos on the screen. I feel like both of you are looking at web pages, so I'm hoping one of you is uh, I just clicked that. Yeah, confirming just or denying. But he was on a third of the videos on the homepage when I loaded it last week. So hmm. this is pretty interesting. What, do you guys have any thoughts? No, I, I wish I knew anything about this guy to kind of like to to chat about him in any way. But what what is I do know that BitTube doesn't have a great reputation among people who may be like interested in, in a decentralized platform like that. I guess it's a little bit buggy and that kind of thing. But if he's bringing a a face to a platform that is a decentralized platform option, I would rather it be one that is not plagued by bugs and stuff like that for the exact reason I stated above. If if he's championing those of you who have been censored, please come to this platform. It's going to be real soon that that platform becomes a shit show of just like a bunch of stuff nobody wants to see. Even even if he's a positive influence in making it's a interesting. Good it's 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 very similar to the to the thing we've already discussed with Gab, and yeah, he is kind of like the better version, in my opinion. He, I feel like he will get lumped into some similar categories as these other people. I haven't watched some of the negative people as much as I have him, so I don't want to make any necessarily comparisons that don't exist. But I feel like there is an overwhelming sentiment that that there is a lot of hate against this guy, even though I feel like I haven't I haven't found a good reason for it. There's a well, fine line between hating here. political correctness and and being kind of okay. shitty. Let me provide a little bit of context there because here's there's two sides to Jordan Peterson. One is he's a psychologist, and most of his self-help, uh, self-improvement, self-focused stuff is really good. It's, you know, solid advice. There's different frameworks. What ended up happening is that at some point, approximately two years ago or so, he responded very critically on YouTube, or actually this may, might have been like 2015, 2016. He responded critically on YouTube to some kind of SJW dilemma, one of the things of the moment, and his YouTube channel blew up exponentially. So on the one hand, you have somebody that does have meaningful life advice to give, especially to you know like people coming into their own or going through tough times or whatever. It's very resilient, uh, like self-dependent, self-reliance approach. But he also started realizing that by poking the the bear and particularly in the right wing, he would get a ton of attention. Just like Milo realized that as well and commentators on the left and on different sides. A lot of people realize that when they poke the bear, they get a lot more attention. So he gets political and he steps outside of his comfort zone and he's – 
when he's not talking about psychology, when he's talking about politics, he's talking about stuff that he doesn't know about. And he talks about it from a point of expertise. And he does have a very – it's kind of what happens with Rick and Morty where you have a unique kind of like a very annoying portion of the fan base of Rick and Morty, unfortunately, that are condescending. So a lot of people don't like the fan base. The same thing with Peterson. There's a lot of people that follow Peterson that think that his word is gospel and they're very aggressive online to any criticisms of him. And he gets a lot because he's talking about geopolitics, gender, all kinds of things that he's not an expert in at all. But he talks as if he's talking about his field of expertise. So there's two sides to Peterson and a lot of his hate comes from his very strong opinionated points that he knows are going to get him views on controversial topics. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it also makes sense that he would be lumped in then with some of that, some of that like Milo's super alt-right or whatever. So if he's the champion that people are following for the reason of censorship, then my prediction is BitTube if this takes off and this becomes a call to action for people to go to BitTube, it's more than likely going to be the people that are in danger of being censored on other platforms, which is, again, going to have the similar effect to Gab and it's going to have a similar effect to vote. And that would be my random prediction on this. Again, not speaking from a speaking from a place of just making shit up, but <laughs> that, that would be I, I, w- I, I wish it was like a better situation like uh, CryptoCander speaks very highly of library all the time and says it's a great experience and the user interface is great so i wish it had been one that didn't already have a little bit of a stigma yeah but so uh, go ahead cream no 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 i I wasn't responding i was going to provide a little bit of a thought experiment but so if you were responding to brent please go ahead no go ahead All right. So another angle to think about this is because ultimately, and I'm not saying this because it's Jordan Peterson. Uh, I'm saying like you could take a big name. Let's take even, let's say somebody like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, I think, is kind of like one of the biggest names that I can think of in broadcasting and YouTubing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if if Joe Rogan threatened YouTube, he still wouldn't matter because he's a very small part. And this is why. This is where the true power of collective bargaining is revealed and where we could see change in the future. Because if what Jordan Peterson did here was actually done by a collection of YouTubers, of famous YouTubers that thought they were getting massively screwed, and you had, let's say, a group of two or three or four hundred YouTubers that are getting millions of views. You see what I'm saying? Like, then you're talking about a massive change. Until then, it doesn't matter. It could be LeBron James, Michael J. It doesn't matter how big the name is. It's one name. The the institutional power, the government, the incentive, it's too big. But a whole bunch of people together can make big change. So we need a player's union. (laughs) We need a YouTuber's union. Maybe Hmm. a content creator's union. Who knows? These things will develop. It's not workers. It's a very good idea. I think you found your calling, man. You've got. You've always been real pro union. I think maybe you should uh, make the content creators union. Get out there. I will not. I'm not that pro union. (laughs) (laughs) So, any other points on this story, gentlemen? Nah, I think think we. uh... Then, Mike, I think it's time for you to rant your face off. This is a little bit of a twist. So this is actually the opposite of a rant. It's more of a compliment where Stake United is a site that I've kind of lurked on for a little while. And um, I put a couple of the shit coins that I own on there. But they are closing for business and doing so in the right way. They are not exit scamming. They've spent a tremendous amount of their time trying to reach out to all the people that have that still have balances on there. Uh, honestly, I think they've done a great job and I'm just thankful that they're just not a project that is, you know, taking everybody's money and running with it. You know, it's so easy to do and there's like no way we could have like really stopped them if they wanted to do it that way. And it's just a reminder that when you use centralized options, you're kind of at the risk of those centralized options. In some ways, that's worth it for me. And the balances on these accounts, uh, were so minimal that if I did lose them, uh, it would not have mattered to me, but I'm just glad I didn't. That is cool. That is cool that people are doing things the right way. It's an incentive to do things the right way. A reminder that people are out there doing the right thing. And good on us to report that. We never report like the good things, you know, with that stuff. It's a responsibility of content creators and journalists that that goes on the wayside. They report about all things people are going to get riled up and pissed off about. Nobody's going to be 
chanting in the streets because this place actually gave people their money back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. And for this next section, which I believe we're going straight to the roast, I, I'm getting here in my ear that I've been banned. My microphone. <laughs> yeah, Kareem is banned from portfolio roasting. Uh, the idea of portfolio roasting is to tell you how stupid you are. And Kareem is like, no, wait a minute. No, we have to be nicer to everybody. We can't do that. That's what it was like. Yeah. Precisely, exactly. If you want to like hear that. exactly those words, word for word, in that voice, just listen to the last flagship. At the end, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, but... Luckily, Brent, you are not banned from the portfolio company. I am the not. Roast, and that image was not very clear, so I'm going to try to post a clearer one for you. Hey, that was a little better. This is from our buddy Degenerate Brahmin. All right. Degenerate Brahmin posting up posting up on here. Um, we're going to get to him in a second, actually. But <laughs> this won't be the first time we talk about Degenerate Brahmin on this episode. Um <laughs> U.S. dollars. What a sucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So thank you, Kareem. You're finally getting in the spirit of what's going on here. So Kareem is – I just want to be on band. I just want to be on band. Kareem has noticed that our friend Degenerate Brahmin, who does not live in the United States, is carrying U.S. dollars in his portfolio like a moron. The only reason you need to carry U.S. dollars in your portfolio is if you live here for some godforsaken reason. If you don't live here, guess what? You don't have to deal with President Trump, so you shouldn't have to hold U.S. dollars. But he is anyway 12% of his portfolio for some god-awful reason. I don't even know. Whatever. But he's also got Bitcoin sitting there at 36%. Again, whenever somebody puts Bitcoin as number one, yeah, real fucking imaginative. You want me to say something good about that? All right. Cardano number two. Cardano was nominated for a crypty. They were nominated for a come on man crypty where (laughs) they, they did some really dumb stuff. You know, I, these portfolio rows are awesome. Good yeah. job, Ramen. What? God damn it, Kareem, you're banned. You're not allowed to be talking <laughs> you're about this. You're doing great, buddy. Stop it. He's got okay. Ethereum in there. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Ethereum, the original Ethereum, is being 51% attacked. So That's nice portfolio. portfolio you have there. ICX, what's going on with that? I don't even know. I haven't looked at them at all, other than doing a show and saying I like them. But here's where we get into the real shit. This is I don't even know what the f- oh actually we did do an episode on GoChain didn't we well <laughs> we did we did an episode that I didn't listen to on GoChain because I don't <laughs> think I was on it and I don't care about GoChain so therefore it doesn't exist and it's shitty so he's got two point seven two percent in a GoChain coin that doesn't even exist so good job on that he's got something called ZCO which is like an ICO but at the end of the alphabet again I would rather go with an ACO if it was me. And finally, he rounds out his portfolio with TMT, which, of course, stands for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I don't know why anybody turtles. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would invest in them now. I mean, in the 80s, they would have been a great investment. But if you've seen the Michael Bay movies, you probably wouldn't be investing in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So your Lambo in the future, buddy. I am going to give Degenerate Brahmin's portfolio the rank of Shredder. Because he is the <laughs> villain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that's where you should take this portfolio, print it out, put it in the shredder, and throw it away. That's actually a good idea. Put it in the shredder until you get to like the top four. Then pull it out of the shredder real quick, <laughs> and that's your new portfolio. <laughs> Pulling out is not effective, Kareem. Uh, well, eh. Brett, you got some sweet products behind you. Have you had a chance to try any of them out? Uh, Colin made me drink some of the charcoal. I don't know what that does for me, but um, I'm I'm at my friend <laughs> Colin's place. On he, fire. Yeah, he owns WildFoods.co, and they, it's like a they do a lot of volume on this kind of stuff behind my head. I'm staying in his extra place. It's his studio where they record a bunch of stuff. So it's set up nicely for me to record here, where I've got these products behind my head. If you see it on YouTube, but we'll cut this out of the actual podcast so it doesn't bore you to tears. But yeah, that's uh, that's where I am. And guys, we have one question coming in this week from Early Adopter 300. Wait, did anybody look at this? Because I have no idea what the answer is. I, I have an answer. Okay, good. I, it's not a good one, but I have an answer. Keep going. Early Adopter 310. So he's been here a long time. I assume that was March 10th. <laughs> so what is the deal? He asks. What's the deal? Yeah, dude, I'm gonna Jerry ta- Seinfeld voice. I'm going to take this question to, to Michael because he's the only one that's going to be able to address it. <laughs> so what's the deal with the upcoming Ethereum forks? How do you get the equivalent of what you have on 
Ethereum. Michael? Uh, my limited research says this isn't a big deal. It is supported by most of the exchanges. It is going to imp- it's going to allow for five um, improvement proposals that are going to assist the Ethereum network in transitioning itself from the proof of work to the proof of stake. Uh, basically, I don't think this, um, unless I'm missing something, you know, as long as your Ethereum is in one of the, you know, normal supported wallets, you should be fine. Oh, so this is, uh, this is like, this is transferring to Casper more or less, not like forking into a new coin, right? Well, it's like, I, what I understand, it's just like adding some things that are going to allow them to play around with proof of stake and not, they're not launching yet. I don't think it's merging with Bitcoin to create <laughs> Stop the ultimate it. fusion. Kareem, now you're getting banned from the from the um from mailbag the, section. From the mailbag section. All right, well, I'm banned from the show, so let's wrap this <laughs> thing up. If I can't be a part of it, nobody can. Uh, any yeah, sorry of- we don't have a better answer for that. I don't know enough about the Ethereum forks. Okay, so, so I guess the answer sorry, is Boris. we think nothing yet, but we'll look into it because if you do have to do something, we'll make sure we let the audience know. Um, I think that is going to wrap it up for us today. Not here. quite. Hold on. We have some new patrons. We have one. Oh. We, we have one new patron last week. And if you sign up to be a patron on our Patreon, again, this is this is our method of kind of trying to stay independent, not taking any money from any of these idiots that are trying to scam everybody. We're asking for a dollar an episode. So far, the community has responded. Amazing. It is great. We are like we're we've got a bunch of patrons you hear them every time we do an episode on the flagship the first time you sign up as a patron you get listed off your name gets read anybody who's on like the the two dollar tier or more every time we do the last flagship of the month we're reading you off then just to show double appreciation and we might even be working on another little extra reward which i'm not going to spoil yet so we'll see if that gets out there it'll be be nothing worth anything it'll just be stupid but what your internet's crapping out, but Mike made a good little. I th- I thought you were pausing, but you were actually lagging. So then I added a joke that Kareem got to enjoy because you were lagging, and then oh. when you came back all at once, and I don't know. I'm just now we're here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Started from the joke, and now we're here. I didn't even hear the joke. All right, but here's the thing: we have a new we have a new patron. We have Degenerate Brahmin. Is we were we were just talking about him earlier in the episode. He's on as a patron. I don't want to. I'm gonna mess up his name, but his his name is Amaya Vidia. Fuck! I should have looked up how to pronounce that before we got on the show. But sorry, I don't know Where why they make me read these names. That up. What? Like, what do you mean you were gonna go look that up? You well, look up how to how? pronounce. I looked up how to pronounce uh one of the other names when um when we had uh when Lay's subscribed i went up and looked up how to pronounce michael, his name michael after the show i will tell you about the internet it's amazing is <laughs> you all kinds of things <laughs> i will show you okay <laughs> i do think that that is going to wrap it up that is going to be our friday flagship i want to thank you once again i was here with michael Lockie. hello hello and no goodbye goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> Brent Philbin at Chubby Crypto. Mike's ready to start another episode, but we're going to cut it off here, <laughs> unfortunately. And one last thing for our audience. I just want to remind you that the members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They are just a bunch of idiots talking about crypto and, you know, roasting portfolios and stuff. So, sayonara. And remember, please join our Discord server. There is a link below. That is where all the action happens. We do all our brainstorming in there. It's, it's a good place to be part of the conversation. Please give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us a lot. And last but not least, if you could subscribe wherever you listen to the show, either on YouTube or your podcast, that would be great. Much appreciated. Na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye.